Hey, welcome to the Morning Mic Check. I'm Pat Brown here with Mike Metzger. Mike and I have known each other for a while now. I first met him around 2010, and he's become one of the key mentors in my life. Over the years, we've had countless conversations, and in almost every one, I've walked away having discovered something new. Mike has this unique ability where he can reframe a conversation, and you begin to discover a deeper reality around you. It's a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. I'm releasing these conversations as an invitation to follow me as I go down that rabbit hole. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. So I, I have today's today's conversation. <laughs> is, is that uh, what this is? <laughs> uh, I, I, two two thoughts come to mind from from similar similar thing, two different perspectives. Um, one is personal perspective of uh, this idea of having a full tank, you know, and and we have situations where we are we need to pull away to fill our tank. I've experienced that myself and something about that just seems lacking. Um, and I'm, I'm not fully sure what, but I, I do often, I think we hear it in imagery. I think of my church background, this idea of everything should be the overflow of our heart and there should be a source of that overflow. And there's something like if, if my tank isn't full, then I should go find that source to fill it. And I think there's probably some, good to that but the in my mind the personal side the negative side has been it becomes almost an excuse for me when my tank feels empty and then I you know I just I don't have the grace for this person anymore I don't have the patience for this person anymore the other side of that is maybe the person experiencing someone else who has an empty tank uh you know I've had this recently where someone has said you know I just don't have the patience my tank is empty. I don't have the patience. That's why I snapped at you, or that's why I said this and that, or you know, that's why that happened. Um, and that also strikes me as mm, some, something's off here. I think maybe we have the wrong frame, but I don't know what that other frame is. And uh, I'd like to hear your take on that. Um, I think there are some good things, but it, are we missing something? Um, well. You know, you and I have always missed a lot of things, so I'm sure we're missing. I'm sure we're <laughs> missing something here. Uh, you know, hopefully, one of the advantages of following God is you follow Him more and more into a fullness of faith, and that fullness of faith is, if it has a rearview mirror, the benefit to that is you look in the rearview mirror and go, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> I uh, never really appreciated that." Uh, yeah, there is something here, and um, this might be, there's something in it that's a tad too mechanistic. Mm, yeah. Um, he, uh, I, I'm not sure how helpful uh, the automobile image is for a human being. Yeah, agreed. I think that's what rubs me initially when I think about it. Yeah, um, and so, um, so listeners, uh, we'll talk a bit about that uh, because uh, the mechanistic also tends to be uh, mathematized. And so the reason I said listeners, uh, I want to say right now, listen, if, if you're going mathematize, I don't care about that. Well, go start your own podcast then. This is our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Uh, <laughs> Uh, mathematized and that so uh, it's not original here but 
part of the uh, problem of the discarded image that Lewis talks about, that God is a sphere whose center is nowhere and his circumference is everywhere. And when you hear that, what does that make you feel, Pat? Right, that his center is... is there's a, his center is nowhere, his circumference is everywhere. everywhere. Um, it makes you feel surrounded, it makes you feel engulfed. Pretty mysterious, isn't it? Yeah. There you go. The mechanistic drowns out the... It erases the mysterious. The mathematization of the of how we understand life erases the mysterious hmm. and um so the mechanistic which is uh, then becomes uh, um things you do rather than the i'm always i was always more struck by uh, augustine saying you are in me far more than i am in you That's mysterious, but not mystery that's hokey or, or uh, um, trying to do some kind of Saturday Night Live deep thoughts. <laughs> it's uh, it's actually, um, it 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 is uh, what we've lost in, uh, frankly, in where the Enlightenment took us, which was to come up with absolute certainty and faith absolute certainty in everything actually so we know for absolutely certain are you saved or are you lost uh, is the spirit in you or is he not in you are you full or you're not full now in a car you have a dashboard and it has gauges and they're called indicators they don't determine if your gas tank is full but they're if they're reliable they're supposed to indicate and so you just look at the gauges. That's the feeling I get when people talk this way is um, that's a tad too simple. And what it takes out is it mathematizes the faith. Now, the reason I'm using mathematize is uh, Lewis Carroll, his pen name, he wrote the adventures of Alice. We call it Alice in Wonderland. But he's a mathematician. But he was a believer. And the two go together. But his fear was we were becoming a world where everything was mathematized. I'll give you a quick example. I get the privilege of doing this because I was a pastor for eight years. You might say, uh, how's your church doing? And the first thing you'll hear from someone is... It's growing. It's attendance. Is that's right. Large. Mathematization. And when we moved here, uh, one of uh, we were brought in by what was considered to be one of the fastest growing churches in Baltimore. And it wasn't until a man who I greatly respect said, because uh, I was all enthused about that, because we were coming in as a plant of this church. And he said, well, remember the fastest growing cells in the human body are tumors. Hmm. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> quite uh, quite the analogy. <laughs> it did uh, stop me in my tracks, that's for sure. There's a difference. The difference is one is more biological and the other was more mechanistic or mathematized. So the frame, I think you, if you didn't use the word frame, uh, I think you were implying um, the frame is off. And the, the problem, what's underappreciated rather about frames is you have to be careful not to make an overstatement, but the frame is initially everything. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, I, it, it sets the context for which everything falls in place. It's the, like the, the edges of the puzzle for you. So all the other pieces only make sense within that frame. That's right. So you walk into um, a kitchen, you don't really know the whole context, but you watch a parent slap the child's hand and you were raised <clears throat> in a home where the, uh, the parents were abusive. And so you interpret what happened as abuse. Or you walk in and you're a parent, uh, you're, you were raised under loving parents, and you happen to catch that a burner is on and the child was just about to burn their hand. Right. Then you have good parents. Good parents. Yeah. The facts don't change. The frame is what arranges the facts. So the frame that you talked about before, you know, the full tank or what have you, uh, the frame is off. It, but what it does is everything follows from the frame. So once you're in a mechanistic uh, world, a frame, then one of the things it does follow from that is mathematizing that just as an automobile has to mathematize, engineers mathematized everything so that you have tight tolerances and so that you know if this is a eight cylinder automobile engine, that in fact there are eight cylinders. Or if you know this is, if we're to really sound hip and cool here, you know, if that is an electric car that has the battery has this much discharge, and in fact the battery has that much discharge. But the problem is a battery. The moment you're using it is winding down. It's losing charge. And even though Jesus did talk about the power went out of me when that woman touched me, I felt something go out of me. That wasn't done on a mathematical equation that now my little, the little bar on my dashboard says <laughs> my power is down. Just the power went out of me. But the power is infinite. Hmm. You know, already we're moving to a, I think a more helpful frame. The power is infinite because the power is not something we can wrap our mind around. Right. And so when Jesus said, abide in me, from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. We, we so elid that passage, we, we, we glide right past it 
living water living water see we'll say oh no 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 the, the water brings life no it's called living water there's a mystery there that's why you and i know there's a you know we're big fans of fantasy literature because in fantasy literature you have beings who are not human who talk and communicate you have plants and animals come alive they're living and all of this is to widen our imagination that we are not uh, we are not autos who you have to fill up a tank and when your patience quote runs out um, you need to go somewhere to I've actually had people say I go to I go to church to get my, my battery recharged or to mm-hmm. get my tank filled up by the way uh, that means you're going to be in church for at least eight hours <laughs> If you've got a 220 <laughs> volt preacher, man, <laughs> preacher woman, uh, you got a 110, you could be there overnight. <laughs> and then you're always gauging. The problem is also you always have your finger on your pulse to am I losing power? Am I gaining power? I do that. So I, that part of me, I think that's the problem with the frame. I, I don't know if you have a, a, a different frame that you're thinking of, but what's kind of cool is as you're saying this, uh, the, the picture that's coming to mind, this is sort of colliding with the Lord's Prayer of your kingdom come and your will be done. And this this uh, kind of notion that as a believer you can help usher in the kingdom. You know, we talk about reflecting in the kingdom, but I, I, I just love what you said about the infinite source of power. Um, but then, yeah, back to what I started with of, there is this infinite source of patience and and what does it mean to to embody patience isn't to uh, empty a tank like we've talked about but it's almost almost like to, to tap in and just be an outlet of that infinite source of patience and so that's that's not just a, a thing you muster up um, but I, like I even think of when when I have genuine peace, in my patience, I don't feel like oh, I'm just biting my tongue, but I'm genuinely being patient with someone. Usually it's often tapped into some godly perspective of that individual. And maybe it's kids and you're just, you're, you're okay that no, the kids, it's just, the kids just learning. I don't have unrealistic expectations of this child to act like an adult right now. Um, they're just learning. And, and I have a set of patience for this, this kid, it's almost like I'm, I'm plugged into a different power source as opposed to just this tank emptying. So I, I, I'm liking, yeah. I'm liking what this is already, there's already a picture forming in my head. I'm, so it's, it's good. This is helpful. Okay. Well, so I'm going to blur that picture for you. That's good. good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crafty fellow that I am. Um, <laughs> so you, you, you expressed this in three different frames. <laughs> Of course, it's the... of, of course. <laughs> All these pictures are coming together, <laughs> and, and we can't talk without frames. So we can't talk meaningfully. We can't communicate. So we're, we're always um, the soul never thinks without a picture. Aristotle, and uh, so you, you can't say anything meaningful if it's not uh, presumes a frame. The frame is usually unconscious. So let me let me share a few because I I don't think they're quite 
uh, there, but they are there. They're close. Uh, you went to the Lord's Prayer, and we'll get to that in a moment. But you said, usher in the kingdom. What frame is that? I don't know. What? <laughs> well, where do you go anywhere where someone ushers you in? Yeah, uh, you're entering <clears throat> in some type of building or you know ceremony or something. Yeah, something like that. I was thinking first uh, movie theaters, but since we don't go to don't go to theaters anymore. Yeah, um, so when's the last time you were ushered into a movie theater? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old man. Okay, boomer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was waiting for that to come out. Uh, Gosh, I can't use the words I was going to use for a millennial. Oh, well, keep going. Um, <laughs> tap in, you said. So first of all, uh, the, the, you know, the notion that um, you go to a restaurant, you go to a theater, they got a little light that keeps us very dim, that they usher you into your seat. That's not it. Uh, tap in. There's one I like, but I don't think it's it. Hmm. When was the last time you tapped into something? Uh, I I can't think of anything. You never had a beer keg. Uh, well, I I personally didn't tap into it, but sure, that is a good example. Yeah. Yeah. So there again, if you're gonna tap in. It's gonna you're gonna start draining that thing. Uh, plug in. Right. Similar to tap in. Similar. So, but that's what we do. Uh, that that's a more readily accessible one. But that again has the notion. Um, uh, there's that cord laying on the ground. It's got to plug in. Uh, none of those fit. Let's go back to your, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who inhabits the heavens, plural. He saturates the heavens. What does that mean? He's definitely not in a keg. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Good job. Well, There's your first book, Pat. <laughs> He's not in a keg. Well, I think it's, I mean, it's helpful to contrast with ushering. You know, you're not entering something where he is. He's he's already already around. You're already surrounded by his presence. Yes. In fact, he's permeating. You are porous. P O R O U S. Hmm. What does that mean? It means he's he's. He's around and through me. It's not like I'm insulated. That's right. Yeah. One of the uh, things I appreciate about uh, the church where we worship is the care and time taken in the preparation of the Eucharist and how in the lifting and hoisting the host and the cup and they, they use motions that indicate God is He's not just up, he is out, he is in, he is around, he permeates, we are porous, he is everywhere. He is present, including in this host. And uh, my friend, the priest, uh, I asked him once, he said that, you know, I have to, I, I need a moment just to rest because that is an intense spiritual experience every time I do it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was taken by that comment also. So, so what you have here, who art in the heavens, again, I lament the uh, translations of the last 500 plus years, our Father who art in heaven, and then we have automatically 
imagine God is up there, distant, and again, the left hemisphere of the brain is the one who imagines things in a detached, distant way. It's only the right hemisphere that we imagine our body. And so we have our Father who, who saturates the heavens. Holy is your name. All, all we do is when we, not all we do, but when we rightly or close to or better imagine the presence of God in the heavens, not space, there is no such thing, we then see a universe saturated with beings who are always holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Holy is your name. So we pray. We join them. Holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Now that, again, most people do not imagine that properly. Because when they, they say, thy kingdom come, what's the frame often in their mind? What I, I would picture is, especially if God is up there, then it's coming down into earth. Yeah. So bring in the bus or right. something like that. And so, yeah, yeah. when Jesus first announces the gospel, he goes, the kingdom of heaven is now available. It's right here. So the better image of the kingdom come and that will be done is both the direction and the structure of this kingdom that is present. We want it to sort of ooze through the veil over our fallen blinded eyes to where we just go, it's here. We are it's 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 becoming manifest it's here didn't go anywhere but it's manifested so to your point about the tank it's not a tank it is as you said like your patience is running out well god is love he doesn't choose to love us he is love and love is patient patient so the infinite god who never tires nor sleeps nor slumbers our tank runs out if he is manifested if you train your body for him to be manifested the patience never runs out the tank never goes down because you, there's no such thing as a tank Out of his innermost beings will flow rivers of living water. Now, I understand, Pat, that um, for most of my friends and most of us raised in the evangelical tradition, what I just said sounds like uh, fanciful, illusory, yeah, right. And that's largely because we are the plus 200 year tradition of think right, act right. And we are, we don't know why we have a body, physical body. We don't know what it has to do with spirituality. 
we are unfamiliar with the necessity of training it. And so we don't bodily experience a supernatural patience that is never exhausted. And so when we read Rivers of Living Water, we go, yeah, yeah, let's put that on a plaque on the wall. That's a, that's a great saying. But it's not reality in our experience. So the new frame is... Uh, the old frame. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. That's well it. Said. Uh, and that is a, a manifestation of the kingdom. Like, is that, is that correct? Yes. The, uh, the new frame, which is the old frame. <laughs> we're, we're very confused. We're very confused. <laughs> the historic, historic frame. We're going to go from two listeners to one. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. One of our wives is going to step off the screen. <laughs> Mine first. Uh, good friend I was talking to uh, yesterday, and, and uh, the work that he seeks to do in, in this ministry that he's launching is, he said it well, he says, to recover the ancient frame. That's a good word. Yeah. Recover it. We, uh, there's nothing new uh the psalm, uh, you know, the, the great wisdom writers wrote, right? What we do is uh, we can discover what was always there. Discover means uncover. Kingdom's right here in this uh, room. It's right here in my body. It's right here. We can, but we can uncover it. We can discover. We can recover. Recover. Go back to return to. Be another word, which is very common. Um, throughout the Old Testament, return, 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 return to the ancient past, return to me, and I will return to you. Now that that's the, that can have the feel of, uh, oh, so I walk down the street and I get to a certain point, and then you'll walk down the street and return to me. No. Return is recovery. It is, it is Elisha saying to his servant, open his eyes, Lord. Show them what's actually going on here. We are not surrounded by these armies that are going to annihilate us. Show him, in fact, the armies that outnumber the enemy. Greater is he who is in us than he who is against us. He who is against us does exist. And he, too, permeates. But he's crafty, so he doesn't want us to imagine that he is who he is and how he operates. Screw tape letters, good little book to read on this, by the way, by C.S. Lewis. And so the frame is this mysterious sphere. God is a sphere without beginning or end or center or circumference. And Pat, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, who really liked to think they were under spirituality, they were not. 
So let me tell you where this all goes, because eye is not seen, nor as hear, ear heard, nor even entered into your imagination where this is all headed and what God has stored up for us. But it goes something like this. When you come to him, he's actually come to you and betrothed you, 2 Corinthians 11, 2. And he enters us and we enter him. And then, towards the end of what we understand is time, he will not only be over us, but all things will come under him. Interesting phrase, by the way, when you think about nuptial union. He enters us, we enter him, we come under him. We'll leave it there, but it doesn't take much imagination. Then all things come under him. And then he comes under the Father in 1 Corinthians 15, 28, so that God might be all in all. And he leaves it at that. <laughs> Just to Why give you a clear picture. <laughs> to give you a wondrous picture, because a good way to soak the wonder out of the gospel is to over-explain it. Yeah. Now, listeners, we've, Pat and I have recommended often um, Christopher West's book, Our Bodies Tell God's Story. Pat, the picture there we're headed for really is nuptial union. And so we will belabor this picture much, but if you want to soak the wonder out of it with your spouse, just describe everything mechanically and biologically and mathematically going on as you make love. First of all, you're not kissing one another. And that's what it feels like often. That's what my friend I've been writing about. He goes, I try to listen to these sermons, but it just is words piled on words piled on words. Mm. Mm. All in all. Well, let's circle back just to patience. Mm -hmm. so I understand yeah. uh, for, for my own life. Also, if, if I'm ever helping someone else work through this or, mm -hmm. or whatnot. I'm curious, you know, so we've, we've kind of talked about just starting with imagination. If, if we reimagine the frame, if we reimagine patience within a different frame. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's already like, that's critical. Is, is that enough? Uh, or like what else, what else is, is there? Uh, as I'm trying sure. to, to better pursue yeah. patience, better pursue the kingdom. Yeah. Well, there's nothing new here. Yeah, I, I would um, recommend the uh, this, the training of your body. And so it's it, both end. I, I literally, as I get a drawing pad and begin to draw spheres and contemplate, contemplate that. Let that come to you. And the contemplation 
requires a trained body in these disciplines, silence, solitude, fasting, three of the initial disciplines of abstinence. A good book on this that we've recommended before is Dallas Willard's The Spirit of the Disciplines, or if he had heard Simon Sinek speak, he might have said, why the disciplines? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because um, most of the books out there on disciplines are very thin on why, and they're mostly on how to do it and what they are. And that's why people read them and put them down and go, well, what's the next book I can read? Mm -hmm. So uh, I would recommend that. Now, I read once that the Dallas, who I highly respect, toward the end of his life felt like he missed something in all of the things he wrote. And, I, and you know, I, I think it's the same thing that I missed and continue to miss is uh, the why we have a body he framed it in language that is technically true, but was not erotic. To govern, to rule, to glorify God. I mean, these are all correct. Hmm. So you get the point. The erotic language is all in all. Because that's what nuptial union and consummation feels like. So I would recommend simply draw a sphere. Instead of quote, trying to, quote, figure it out, instead of, quote, trying to figure it out, end quote, I would say to listeners, Meditate on it and let it come to you. While you disciplined your body in the spiritual disciplines, beginning with silence, solitude, and fasting. Silence we've talked about before is the lack of that discipline is A, why spouses are not good listeners to one another, because they're not good listeners to God. Um, B is why we write so many books about so many things. Have you ever read a book before and said, could have said this in two pages? Mm -hmm. well, and if you practice silence, you'll say, well, maybe, I'll, maybe the point isn't to publish this, but this is all that could be meaningfully said. This is all I can, that God, I can meaningfully say from the pulpit this morning. Seven minutes. Everything else is filling publisher demand or congregational demand. That's consumerism. I'm not going to bow to that idol. This is all I know. Silence. I know people who practice silence by listening to them and those who don't. Solitude. Solitude is where you will begin to experience the presence of God in the entirety of creation. You never get alone. But you do get alone. And so when the disciples came and said, 
where do you what you eat? I mean, uh, you've been here alone. He goes, oh, you have left me alone, but I'm never alone. I'm never alone. So I have food you know nothing about at this point. Pat, that is the wondrous mysterious gospel that we have drained the wonder out of. Fasting is the first time I actually did taste and experience the food I knew nothing about. Because before I satiated or masked over all sorts of insecurities and you name it, by stuffing my mouth with food and drink because it releases endorphins in your brain that makes you feel like everything's okay. And as Don McLean sang, I began to hear Satan laughing with delight. Not the day the music died, but the day the image died. God is a sphere We are headed towards all in all. And Satan laughs with delight as that image dies. 